Welcome to the Sendcast. My name is Dale Pickles. I'm the host of the Sendcast and I'm also the managing director of B Squared. If you are a new listener, then welcome to the Sendcast. Aim of this podcast is really, really simple. We want to help everyone learn more about special educational needs and disability. In this episode, we're discussing PDA and improving our understanding of what PDA is, how to support PDA. My guest is Claire Truman, an education consultant from Spectrum Space. Claire specializes in PDA and is currently completing a PhD exploring the education experience of PDA learners. The Sendcast is created and produced by us here at B Squared. We are the assessment people. We help to show the small steps of progress pupils with SEND make. We help schools to show progress for a wide range of abilities and ages. If you're a primary school struggling to show progress or struggling to identify where a pupil isn't making progress, then we can help. And did you know you can use B-Squares assessment software for more than just pupils with SEND? You can now assess all pupils in a primary school in one system, saving you time, saving you money, and simplifying the whole assessment process. And all that data, so much simpler. Visit the B-Squared website or click on the meeting link in the show notes to book a meeting with me to take you through our assessment software. Let's get on with the podcast. On this week's show, we're discussing PDA and improving our understanding of what PDA is. My guest is Claire Truman, an educational consultant from Spectrum Space. Claire specializes in PDA and is currently completing a PhD exploring the educational experience of PDA learners. And between 2017 and 2019, Claire ran an alternative provision for children with PDA. And she now provides distance learning passage for children with PDA. I can still say PDA a few more times than this. For those who find it difficult to access school, and Claire has also written a book to support teachers with PDA and delivers talks at various events around the UK. Welcome to the show, Claire. Thank you very much for having me. You are welcome. We have discussed PDA. I'm not going to do a PDA counter on this episode because it will just go through the roof on this show before, but it is an area we've been asked to record more episodes on. So let's get started with what is PDA? So PDA stands for pathological demand avoidance. That's the first thing. And it's considered to be a profile within autism, so a profile of autism. There is some debate and controversy about PDA, so it's not a unanimous view, but it's as near as we've got to a consensus. It's a profile within autism. And it presents as a a need to resist and avoid the ordinary demands of life. That's a a, a polite way of saying it. (laughs) (laughs) Do you reckon? Yes. Very polite. I don't think parents with children with PDA will be saying it quite that politely. It's the way, they're not my words. They're <laughs> the words of uh, Elizabeth Newson, who first identified it. So she was a developmental psychologist working in the Midlands in the 1980s, 1990s and early 2000s. And she identified this profile, PDA, and she said the defining characteristic, there's lots of characteristics, but the defining characteristic is an overwhelming need to avoid and resist demands. Right. So we've said there that or that PDA is a kind of flavor of autism. So do you get a diagnosis for PDA and autism? Do you get both cards? Do you just get the one card? Most commonly, it does vary a bit. It's a bit of a postcode lottery. 
Most commonly, you would get a diagnosis letter that says, Joe Bloggs is autistic, brackets with a PDA profile. That's the most common. Yes. So now PDA, and the thing is, on before is, as you said, very politely resisting authority, being demands of life. And it is, it's so if you ask your child to put on their shoes, they're not going to do it. Yes. Also, sometimes uh, they may really want to put on their shoes because they're brand new shoes and they're exciting and they feel like they can't put on their shoes even though they really want to because they place the demand on themselves to put on the new shoes. And that's this is a strange bit. And this is where people sit there and go, oh, every child's a little bit PDA or my child doesn't want to put on their shoes either. Yeah. And that's the thing is PDA is sort of it's like to the nth degree. Yes. Yeah. So I often say we all know children who resist and avoid eating broccoli or doing their maths homework. My hand's up on the broccoli one <laughs> and I'm not a child. Um, or doing their maths homework or going to the dentist. But with PDA, you're looking at resisting and avoiding things you need to do and want to do, as well as the things that other people might tell you to do. So it pervades every aspect of someone's life. A lot of the time it's like not putting your shoes on. It's I don't want to put my shoes on, but I don't want to go out. There's a re- most of the time there's a reason they don't want to do something. And it might be because they want to do their own thing. But generally with most children, I don't want to put my shoes on because we're going to go here. And I don't want to go. There's a reason. But yeah. coming back to PDA, it's it's simply because I have to or I've been asked to that yeah, I'm because, struggling with. Because there's a demand that's been placed upon me. There's an expectation that I'm going to put my shoes on so I can't. Yes. The expectations trigger anxiety and the anxiety is preventing someone following through with that demand. Yes. And I think it's one of those things which is a bit hard to understand until you probably observed it a couple of times. It is. There's some wonderful videos that help you get into the, to understand it a bit more and get into the mindset. So there's a great video on YouTube by the PDA Society, put together by the PDA Society. And it's got lots of people with lived experience, so PDA adults, PDA children, and parents of PDA children, all talking about the experience. And my, one of my favorite clips from that video is uh, a woman who talks about how when she's hungry, if she leaves getting food for so long that her stomach starts rumbling, she experiences that as a demand to eat, and then she can't go and get food. Even though she's hungry and she wants food and she can get food independently normally, if her body tells her it's time to eat, she can't do it. And it, so it, that's PDA. You're looking at the things you want to do, the things you need to do to stay healthy and stay alive. It's, it's the ordinary demands of life, not just not doing what they're told. So as you were saying that, it was like almost like consciously I want to eat, but as soon as that rumble has happened, which is almost is at a conscious level, it's a subconscious level, as soon as that's happened, I can't. So the was going, oh, this is conscious versus, but this is what well, this is what my consciousness wants to do. And if it doesn't go down that route, then I struggle. But actually, it's not all it's not that simple, is it? It it's really varied. It's very complex and it really permeates everything. Interesting, interesting. Now, one of the things, there is PDA and there's ODD. Yes. And as I said before we started recording is, um, I think in my head is autism, you get PDA, ADHD, you get ODD, it's the same thing. But doing a little bit of research, it's not, is it? No, it's not the same thing. Now, I've never taught children with ODD before, so I'm not an expert on ODD, but 
the difference as I understand it is PDA is a profile within autism and ODD is not. So if you received, so ODD stands for oppositional defiance disorder. If you were to receive an ODD diagnosis, you wouldn't necessarily be autistic. So you wouldn't, you don't get this person is autistic brackets with an ODD profile. It's a PDA profile of ASD or autism, but ODD is separate. It's a separate condition. And the other difference is, again, I'm not an expert on ODD, but the other differences are a sense of social hierarchy. So PDA children and young people and adults don't tend to have a sense of social hierarchy. So the police officer, the headmaster, your mum and dad are equal to you and to your mates. Everyone is on a level, which is actually very refreshing to work with. I like it. It um, is, I like that. Everyone is on a level. With ODD, typically, there is a sense of social hierarchy. There's just not the obeying the rules of social hierarchy. So you know that the head teacher is positioned above you in the social hierarchy, but you're not necessarily going to do what the head teacher says. And the fact that they might be above you is probably the reason you're not doing what they've asked you yeah, to. Yeah, exactly. Whereas for PDA, it's the fact that a demand has been placed. I like that talk about the flattening and that thing, because that thing is ODD is literally that defiance. It's like you're telling me I'm defying that. So there is you, Obviously, that to me, there is, it's, I'm going to say it's a choice, it's probably not the correct term, but it is kind of, whereas the PDA, it is properly, is like, I cannot. Yeah, PDA is the demand's been placed, I can't do that. And really there well the interaction between people comes into it but it's not because i'm resisting authority yes it's because there is a demand yes as soon as you are as soon as something has asked me i cannot do it yeah interesting so if you play twister can you not put your right hand on the red circle is that literally no so no pda people don't do twister i know i'm tangenting i said i would um, that's an interesting question because put your hand on the red circle is a depersonalized demand if the dial is telling you. Yep. So as long as nobody says put your hand on the red circle, it will be easier to cope with. It won't be completely 100% easy to cope with, but it will probably be easier to cope with because there's you've removed the human interaction as part of that demand easier not easy wow so sometimes visuals are used to support pda people to reduce the um interaction in that can make the demand even more difficult it takes out the chance that the person placing the demand will present that wrong so in theory if a fire alarm goes off it's easier for them to leave the room. But the moment someone says the fire alarm's gone off, we need to leave, it then could be harder for them to leave that room because now someone has voiced what that um, non-personalized noise is telling you to do. But as soon as someone's vocalized it, it now becomes a demand. It becomes a bigger demand, yeah. So it's easier, not easy, to evacuate when the fire alarm goes off. The It does remove that interaction so what you don't want is someone supporting a pda child or young person going listen the fire alarm's going off that means we need to get our shoes now quickly really quickly because the fire alarm's going can you hear it it's really quick come on let's go 
And that's what you don't want because that's adding pressure to the demand. So what would you do with a PDA child during a fire alarm? <laughs> the, I would have prepared in advance. Yes. So the, I would talk to, I always talk to PDA children and young people about safety rules, legal rules and safety rules. And the fact that those are non-negotiable. Normally, in every other area of life when supporting a PDA person, you're looking to make everything negotiable. But yes. there are some things that aren't, like evacuating when a fire alarm goes off. That's not a negotiable rule. So it's a health and safety rule, and we talk about that. I would have prepared in advance that when the fire alarm goes off, there are two or three choices of where we go. So that that there's an element of choice. choice. Um, I would probably have included an element of responsibility to give them a sense of control. So packing a fire escape bag that has things that would keep someone calm, maybe some fidget toys, some books, something that would distract you. And the PDA child or young person is responsible for grabbing the fire bag. So there's a sense of control. So when the fire alarm goes off, I'd be saying, oh, I can't do everything at once. I need to take the register and get the fire bag. Are you still all right with the fire bag? Giving them a sense of control uh, and diverting the attention away from this is a demand to get out to how can we work together to get out safely. Yes. And that's the thing is, I think on the previous one we talked about, it's not saying you need to do this. It's often I'm going to do this and you're laying out maybe some options, which you're not asked telling them not even asking them to make a choice but they're hearing a choice and that makes it easier than if you said you need to do this or this or you have to do this it's that three levels of getting it easier isn't it for the that child it's all about collaboration really so you're problem solving something together if it's something like a fire alarm you want to be doing some of that problem solving in advance because while a fire alarm is going off is not the time to be making a plan for how you get out of the building while a fire alarm's going off. Yes. But you, I have been in situations trying to evacuate PDA children from when fire alarms have gone off. There were, I did one planned and one unplanned. The unplanned one did not go well. We did not safely evacuate the building. Luckily, it wasn't a real fire. We got as far as sort of the outside of the door. So we got out, we sort of got out of the building, but not to where you're it, supposed to be. Had it been a real fire, we would have been a bit too close. When I had the center, the Spectrum Space Center, and we had nine PDA children who all had to learn to evacuate in the case of a fire alarm. Again, we luckily never had a real fire. But when we were doing the drills, we prepared in advance so the children knew where they were going. So they had a place that they had chosen. Um that they would go if the fire alarm went. They all had uh, two-to-one staffing. So there were always two adults with each child. So it was safe to go to numerous different places. Um, so they knew where they were going. They were either going to the adventure playground just across the field yeah. or they were going to a staff member's car or they knew where they were going. They had chosen that. And we practiced it with a, Claire needs to get this right and she needs some help rather than a, Claire's going to be telling you what to do. So if there was a fire, at least my head goes on and goes, if there was a fire, they're more likely to get out though, aren't they? <laughs> I would not, hope. Because it's not you're going, we need to leave. It's like, have you seen what's right behind it's you? It's a genuine health and safety situation. They'll sit there going, 
no one's asking me to leave, but that, I'm feeling the heat. I think I'm going to get out. And we don't, we would hope, we'd hope. We never test tested it. We never no. tested it. I would do a lot of work on safety rules, legal rules, and things we can negotiate on. They really knew the difference between those things. I love asking my random questions. And it goes <laughs> on to a segue for firefighting for a couple of minutes. That's great. So, yes, the PDA, it, it's, and it is really, it's, I'm going to say again, it's that demand and it's, that's the strange thing of I've argued with my children lots, but generally it's just because they don't want to. And there's a reason. And I generally, I might not find out the reason there and then, but I generally always find out the reason that they really put up a fight against something. But that's the thing. There's always a logical reason. And with most children, there is always a logical reason. But PDA, it's not. No, it's anxiety driven. Yes. Sometimes it's described as an anxiety-driven need to remain in control. Some type, some professionals use that phrase. Yeah. So it's it's all rooted in anxiety. And it's that is it that control of everything around them, or is it that control of that one situation, or is it controlling of the conversation? It's controlling. It's probably all of, all of the above, really. Okay. So controlling the interaction. Um, controlling what they do yep. so no one else is in control of them and controlling the environment as far as possible. So the more control you can give somebody, the less you're fighting those battles. I try and get to a point where between us, myself and the PDA person I'm working with, we are working on I'm in control of me, you're in control of you. So we used to have a rule at the center, we don't make people do things they don't want to do. And that was a promise. So I'm not going to make you do numeracy. You're not going to make me do handstands in the kitchen. We're we're not going to make each other do things we don't want to do. I might stop you doing something unsafe, but I'm not going to make you do something you don't want to do. That's a promise. And you're not going to make me do something I don't want to do. Interesting. As you talk about that control, I was thinking about that in the PDA mind, we're all on the same level. Mm-hmm. And if that is the case, then why should I listen to you when I've got my view and we're equal? So I don't have, and if you, if you get that in your head, that probably helps you understand that better. Yeah. Yeah. I want this. Well, I want this. Okay. Well, if you both want different things, we're going to have a, a discussion about, I, I want to have for Chinese right now. You might want to go for a pizza we would have a discussion and would work it out. Yeah. And if you think, although I'm an adult and this is a five-year-old, both of our views are equally valid in their mind. Mm-hmm. They are generally. Some situations are not always perfectly valid, but that's what you got. It's in, as you said, it's a negotiation because you can't enforce. Yeah. It's got to be collaboration and negotiation. Sometimes as the adult, we will have more information than the child about a situation. So if, particularly if you're working with a very young child, you will sometimes have all this information about how things have happened before. Like, you know that it's not a great idea to go to the playground in the rain in flip-flops because you've experienced rain before and you know that your feet are going to get wet. Yes. So you have more information than the child about why they should put on welly boots. But it's about collaborating and sharing that information in such a way that you're not imposing control over the other person you're just sharing information 
I was about to then just give some say something and go, no, because it's PDA. I was about to say with my daughters, I always found that I would go find you wear your flip-flops to the park in the rain. And then what will happen is you'll learn from the experience and we won't have this battle again. But that wouldn't be PDA, would it? Because they might still want to. And you can't refer to the previous thing because that's you then telling them, which is putting a demand on them. Sometimes I have decided that going out in the rain in flip-flops is not a big deal. So sometimes I've prioritised demands in that way and gone, actually, I can live with the muddy feet. We have a sink. It's fine. But you going, oh, you're, you'll learn then. You go, you go out and then you'll learn is not really the way. It's sort of, I've got some information I'm going to share with you. Your choice at the end of the day. But it is very rainy out there. And last time I went out in the rain, I came back caked in mud. I think for my, sometimes my, one of my daughters is, if she hasn't experienced it, she's not listening. Yeah. And you sit there and go, she will do this. Do you remember last time? Look at me blank. When this happens, it's like, yes, okay, I'm not going to do that. It's that sort of, it, it has to be in her memory of it didn't go well to listen. But saying that's not PDA because. No, because they. There's they a might... logic. There's a reason behind them making this decision. Whereas PDA, as soon as you're saying, well, you can't. Well, also, if you're saying put your wellies on, they might want to, but they've placed a demand on themselves. Yes. So sometimes it works better to flip it and to say, oh, I don't know what the best footwear to wear in the rain is. You can only really do that when they're very young. Obviously, the older you get, that becomes dishonest. But, they're, but when they're young, that could, so if you're working with a five-year-old, that can, that can be a way of doing it. I don't know what footwear to wear in the rain. And then they tell you, and then they're in control. Yep. So they suggest wellies to you, and they might put their own on. Alternatively, when you're working with an older person where that wouldn't be appropriate to sort of fool them in that way, then having a kind of collaborative, oh, it's wet weather. What's going to make it easier for you to wear wet weather shoes? Would it be having a choice between wellies and walking boots? What's going to make it easier for you? And sometimes it's a choice between going out in the rain or actually I can't go out in the rain today because I just cannot wear welly boots today. Yeah. And that's fine too. Yes, I think because that's literally in our head. We're going, you are going out and you've got to choose your footwear, but there is always that third option if you don't go out. Yeah. So do, do you want welly boots and going out or would you rather stay in? But you're not doing, if you don't put your welly boots on, you're going to have to stay indoors. Yes. That's a different thing. Yes. Because that will just go. So with PDA, there's, given that collaboration, if you're, if they put that demand on themselves or you put that demand on them, they're not really able to do it. How, well, it's probably a spectrum, but is, is the response a negative response is in they'll do something else instead or is it simply they cannot comply? What does that kind of response look like? Oh, it really varies. <laughs> Some people will sort of shut down, internalize the PDA quite a lot and not be able to engage in that conversation anymore, not be able to engage in the rest of their day, sort of shut down. The thing you hear more about is the, the behavior, the distress behavior that challenges us. So they're kind of hurting other people, hurting themselves, trash in the classroom. That's what you hear about when, yeah. when someone comes to me for advice they tend to be coming to me for 
this child is trashing our classroom every day type thing. I don't get as much of this child is withdrawing from all situations. Can you help us engage them back in the school life? Which is which is a shame because both those children need help. Yes, but it generally is the negative. The bigger the that behaviour, the more you get the response. It's like with all. That's why you get so many more boys with that type, that typical autism presentation, being disruptive get diagnosed where the typical or the girls probably are better quieter that's not disruptive so i don't need to get any support yes so yeah i expect most of the time you are going to be called for those the ones who respond in a negative or seen as a negative way to that demand and people not putting that connection together yeah i get the i get calls for help for the ones that are challenging the adults yes until interestingly until late teenage years where I very sadly get calls for support for people who have withdrawn completely to their bedrooms and I think that's because the support wasn't asked for earlier so PDA children this is my hunch that PDA children and young people who were withdrawing from a few activities in class and then withdrawing from most activities in class and then withdraw to the point where they're in their room uh, or don't attend school at all, don't engage with hobbies and, and friends. And actually, if that support had been put in place when they were just refusing a few activities. That's the thing, I suppose. When when you have it, we're doing this and the child just won't. You're going, well, you're sitting there, not causing disruption. So if I leave you there, you'll be fine and we can get on with this. Yeah. Which doesn't sound like a big thing, but it, it's probably that snowballing effect of that happening a couple of times. They would draw more. Yeah. And it builds up into actually I might as well not leave my room. Yeah, because it's too demanding out there. So interesting. We talked about children. Does I'm gonna say, and I know probably the answer is no, but I'm gonna ask it in this way anyway. Do you grow out of PD? No. No. It's a lifelong profile of autism. So does it change as you get older? Do you get more understanding of your PDA? Are you more accepting? Do you hear things differently and go? Because that thing is, demands are always there. Demands are always there. A lot of PDA adults talk about the self-help strategies they've developed for themselves. So there's a fantastic book by a lady called Sally Cat who collated lots of PDA adults' experiences. She asked questions on an uh, internet forum and collated all the responses. And it's a book full of how... PDA adults are managing PDA and life together. So often people develop self-help strategies. Increasingly, people are trying to help each other. So the PDA Society has an adult life section on their website. So people can share what's helped them uh, with each other. So there are, but it, it carries on, the anxiety about demands carries on throughout your whole life. Because I'm literally thinking when you're in school, it's like, oh, we'd like you to do this. And in reality, I'm thinking everything around that doing art or going to play football or whatever it is you're doing and the writing in school, kind of everything else is kind of taken care of. And you've got all these amazing people around you, hopefully supporting you, or you're not being supported. But I'm thinking as you get older and as you living on your own I suppose things like bills coming in is no one's telling you that unless someone phones you up saying you haven't paid your bill a lot of those demands are not personalized or humanized so 
you're, but I can imagine if you're in a supermarket and you're in a queue and says, oh, you can come over here. It's like, well, come over. If someone tells you that, that's thing I literally can't imagine almost the demands I have on me as an adult. That's a lot of work, but I'm literally going, actually, a lot of them are non-human demands, but a lot of them are human demands. It's still pretty demanding and, and all demands, even written demands, even a letter coming through saying you've got to pay your phone bill is still a demand. Yes. So yes, it's still a very demanding world out there. And a lot of PDA adults encounter a lot of difficulty in their life because of that. But the things that help, we're beginning to learn more about the things that help. And there's a great, actually a great resource again on the PDA. I'll I'll give you the link to the PDA Society website because I keep plugging them. Yes. They're fantastic. And they've got a guide for employers. And I know that might sound strange when we've been talking about children, but I use it for everything. I go back to it as my sense check document. And it's got a list of reasonable adjustments that a PDA employee may take to their employer and say, this is how you get the best out of me at work. And in it are things like mutually agreeing deadlines, being clear about the purpose of a task and the aim of a task, but allowing autonomy in how you carry it out. And there are lots of those things that you can build into day-to-day life as well, not just work. So if you have an overall objective to pay all your bills, you might decide that you're going to do that either by direct debit, which would go out automatically, so then you wouldn't have to deal with it more than once, or you're going to do it over the phone. You've got a choice there. So you can build choice into how you tackle things. You can tell yourself you've got a choice. I mean, PDA adults are incredible at working with their PDA, of getting the strengths out of it and overcoming the challenges. And it's amazing to watch. So really, that's who we learn from. So I've just, I I love this. I get to ask so many questions. My mind wanders as I'm thinking and learning is, Obviously, you've worked with lots of PDA children. You get more disruptive children you're called to support for. Is Obviously, that disruption just completely disappears as they get older. No, not necessarily. <laughs> there, unfortunately, there has been, there's been some studies conducted in the criminal justice system about, and I, I don't know a lot about the research, but there, I can send you a link to it, about when things go wrong there. There are... PDA adults who are struggling with with managing everyday life as well. So it doesn't completely disappear. But the more we can, you have to prepare children, all children, for their adulthood. I think where things often go wrong is that we try and prepare PDA children for the adulthood that I, as a neurotypical teacher who loved respecting authority and was like typical head girl material, how the adulthood that I've had, that's where we go wrong. We try and teach them how to obey rules rather than saying, your brain works like this. Here's how to get the best out of your brain. Yes. And that, that's what we need to be doing, teaching people how to work with their demand avoidance to get the best out of their brain. Yes. That's the thing is... I. I, I analyze lots of things. And as I'm literally going, I get rid of a lot of my demand because I don't like, I'm going to say the word interrupted. I don't like being interrupted by things. I like to go, this is what I want to do. And something coming in, I mean, you need to do this. I'm kind of going, 
I don't want to. So I, I generally, I have ways of getting rid of demands put on me mm-hmm. because it interrupts what I want to do. And so I'm literally going, actually, there are ways you can reduce demands. These like direct debits and things like that. And also is if you know that's going to come in, if I've learned this, if I take my action first, then it's not as annoying. So there are things you can do to reduce those demands. But yeah, in my head, I'm literally thinking, if you're that person who shuts down, you're going to shut down more. But if you're that explosive person, you're that disruptive, you're trashing the classroom, either some of the people we hear about in the news are PDA or does it, does it reduce? And the answer is, but it probably depends because you either learn to cope with certain situations, you learn within yourself to manage that self-help and ma- managing it. But other times you probably can't. It depends. I think everyone has their potential. The disruption happens because needs aren't being met. Yes. So if needs are met, then the disruption reduces. And that's true for everyone, for the adults and the children. And you would hope that over time people would get to know your needs, meet them better, disruption would reduce. You would know your own needs, be able to meet them better, disruption would reduce. I mean, the PDA adults that I work with and come into contact with at work have learned so many self-help strategies that, you know, everything is safe and and. That that's there's no I can bring them into the workplace and there's you know everyone's safe it's yeah. fine. But, um, I, but I but I suppose it's that thing is especially with since COVID and things like that where some of our choices were taken away from us as adults. Because thing is when you're a child you're told what to do when you get an adult you get to choose there's less demand mm-hmm. but suddenly you cannot leave your house. Yes. So you have these suddenly these demands are put on you and you're going well I need to do this because that keeps me happy and sane and normal, and now I'm not allowed. That is a demand coming from a person, getting in your way. So I can imagine things like that, when you have those external changes going, especially over COVID, can have that impact where it takes you into a negative way, but it's using those self-help skills to kind of bring you back. Yeah, yeah. So you have to be able to... Flex and like I say, you know, adults with PDA can do this much better than I can imagine them doing it. But they're breaking up other demands in your day so that you're not focusing on one overwhelming thing. So making sure that you're not trying to pay the bills and wash up and hoover and all on the same day, that kind of thing. You know, there's self-help strategies. And when things come, it's allowing space for the things that come in externally that you can't control. It's allowing enough capacity in your day to be able to cope with the unexpected, yes. which is how I work with the children as well. So we need to leave enough headroom so that if the fire alarm goes off, we haven't already overloaded someone with demands. Yes. That, that headroom is really interesting because I was yeah, thinking about anxiety and this is, as PDA, as you said, is anxiety driven. Yeah. And anxiety is horrible. And I, I thought I did really well with anxiety. I, I'm, not, I'm not anxious. And then Ali on the podcast went, no, no, you just deal with it in a different way. So you are anxious, but you deal with it, so you're not. And one of the things I learned is when my wife used to give me a list of jobs to do at the weekend, I hated it because I couldn't finish them and that. And it ended up, I almost, I couldn't really do anything because you've given me 10 jobs and all of them are going to go wrong because we've got a really old house and we don't know what we're getting into. So every job is not going to take half an hour. It's a 12-hour job. 
And I've given me 10 jobs and I'm not going to get them all done. And I just would kind of not do them. And what we learn after, I used to get grumpy. What I've learned is one job at a time. She has the list in her head. Uh-huh. But she only gives me one list, one item at a time. And I will deal with that. And generally it doesn't go wrong like I think it will. And we get through it. And then she gives me the second job. So this, this so you demand, found a way that works for you. Yeah, this demand, although I'm going to say, and again, PDA is properly cannot, but that demand, we all kind of, some of us struggle with this demand. Some of us struggle with things being asked of us and things like that, and it's not the same level. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but if you think of, if everyone's coming at you and asking, I need this, I need this, I need this, and you're kind of getting overlooked, you're getting a taster. You're getting a real small taster of PDA probably on a daily basis. That's probably how they run all the time internally. And everyone experiences demand avoidance, everyone. And But what we tend to experience, if we're not PDA individuals, what we tend to experience is rational demand avoidance. So what you're describing there is rational demand avoidance. There were too many tasks for you to process. Yeah. So it was rational for you to resist and avoid them. Another example that I often see in schools, maybe an autistic child struggling with the sense with a sensory aspect of the day. So maybe they're being asked to wash their hands and the water's too hot for them. What I get is, oh, he won't, he won't wash his hands. It must be PDA. And actually, no, it's rational demand avoidance. The water's too hot. We haven't identified that the water's too hot. What we need to do is use colder water and then it'll be fine. So that's rational demand avoidance. Pathological demand avoidance is, I love water play. I want to wash my hands because they're sticky and I don't like sticky hands, but I can't do it because I've told myself I want to. That's PDA. Yes. And I'm literally going, I want to go back to that thing that the water is too hot. That's too hot to that child. It's not too hot to everyone. Yeah. That's the thing. I'm literally my head going, oh, oh no, 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 that is, it's, it's, but my daughter says, I can't do this because of this. Although I think she's being bonkers, but that is a real rational reason to her. So yes. if, any, if broccoli touches any food for me, broccoli is the contaminator of everything. Those bits get everywhere. They do. They do, and I hate it. I look at it and go, I'm, I'm, I can take broccoli off a plate. Just to be clear, I'm not that bad with broccoli. I will I really probably launch have used it. Broccoli as an example. I will launch it across something, but 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 the problem is broccoli. If it then like I look at my next veg and there's a load of broccoli contamination all over it, I'm literally going, yeah, I can't do that. But I've just explained all my logical reason, and for me it's logical. And you might be going, but well, I literally I had a bunch of broccoli for breakfast this morning, raw because it's the best vegetable ever. And you look at me as if I'm bonkers, but that's fine for me. It's rational to you. It's irrational doesn't mean my view isn't rational. So mine is a logical demand avoidance. Yeah. So that's the thing. It's rational to me. Yes. But for a PDA person, then it's not rational even to them. No. It's pathological. Yes. And there's been a lot of argument about the name. So some people say extreme demand avoidance instead of pathological demand avoidance. There's a lot of debate about that. But there are some, not all, some PDA adults who say actually the name pathological is really important to us because it's not rational even to me. Yes. I, I like, I like that. It is. That's the thing is you'll sit there. I want to do it. I want to, I need to do it. I want to do it. This is the best thing in my life. I really look, I can't. And that's, in, uh, yeah, it is that 
There is no logic. You can't sit there and talk to them 10 minutes later and go explain what was going on in your head or anything like that and get a reason and go, okay, that's in my daughters. We sit there, we have a situation and I know, okay, we'll move on. We'll circle back to this and I'll find out the reasons and then I'll adapt next time. That's not PDA. PDA would make no sense to them. So they can't, I can't sit there and go, oh, we'll do this next time because you'll, no, it's, it's not that. You can't work out the logic to no. then not do the same again next time. You have to work on a strategy to increase choice and autonomy. Yes, because we're all the same level. We're all the same level yes. and we want control and freedom and autonomy. Some people have described PDA as pervasive drive for autonomy. And I love that because if you focus, it's sort of a nickname for it, you know, yep. if you focus on autonomy, then you're in the right mindset for working with a PDA person. If you're maximizing everyone's autonomy, you're in the right, you're in the right mindset. Yes. And I like that. My first job was at Ikea. What I loved about Ikea was you all wore the same uniform. Mm -hmm. So we were all equal. And I didn't know who the store manager was. I was a 16 year old earning minimum, well, below minimum wage back then. I was minimum money. Yeah. He was a store manager. He didn't walk up to me and tell me, you will do this. He, he literally told me what I was doing was wrong. But he goes, he said, I wouldn't do that. I would do this. And then just walked off. Good PDA practice. And I literally, in my head, I'm going, like, I care, you geniusly, genius PDA there. <laughs> yeah. He didn't tell me, do not do this. He just said, I wouldn't do this because of this and walked off. And I, I remember going, is that? And I found out, asked the store manager, and I just went, Oh, because my experience was the head teacher who would go, I'm the head teacher, you will do as I say, type this person. Mm. And I'm now 16, and this person who has all this authority over me, he's like seven, eight levels above me. He could have probably just kicked me out of that store that moment, and I was gone. But he didn't. He just, as if I was the same level as him, when I wouldn't do that and walked off. And I really, really loved that about Ikea. The fact we're all the same. I didn't generally get told what to do. I got suggested. Yeah. You had your brain and went, yeah, I'll do that. And a lot of the support strategies work for a lot of different people. You know, it's not the case that you've got to work with PDA children and young people in schools in a way that's really unhelpful for everyone else. Yes. A lot of these things, working collaboratively, removing the hierarchy, a lot of that works for a lot of people. So basically, if you are saying the words because I said so, don't do it. Yep. Do as I say, not as I do. Don't do that. No. <laughs> <laughs> All of those, and I'm going to say old-fashioned, but a lot of us grew up with our parents saying those sorts of things. Yeah, yeah. Is, uh, what again, learning through lots of podcasting and loads of is generally if I give my reasons to my daughters of why we do something, give them the explanation, they have that understanding, I give them a choice, they're more likely to make the choice I want them to. And that, will, that, that collaborative approach generally gets rid of lots of issues. Yeah. But I'm sure there will be times where I just go, I need you to do this, and I'll literally I'll say something, it's demand. Yeah. And that's the thing. I'm, I'm literally going, my head, I'm probably not that demanding. And literally, I'm literally going, demand, 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 demand. It's like, oh, yes. Yes. But it, yeah, it's, it's where I am is quite a bit of the way there is, and I've learned, always give them two options. So if I need them to do something, 
like they they want to do something else. I'll go, do you want to do the horrible bit first and then get onto your what you want to do? Or do you want to do what you want to do? And then at this time I come and get you to do this job. And although it's a job, um, but the idea of I've given them a choice and they've got control over which order they do it generally means when I come to them at that point and go, it's time to do that job, they're more willing. Yeah. But I'm sure if I went to that person to do the PDA, in fact, I've come to you, it will just won't happen. It depends. You've given a lot of choice there and that's good. You've mutually agreed a deadline. That's good. Depending on how many other demands they've encountered in the day and what their tolerance for demands is at that particular time, which is affected by things like environment, how well they know you, um, what's happened in the morning, then maybe that strategy could work. But it is a moment I go in there and go, it's time. I'd probably just put a demand on them. Oh, yeah. That's definitely still a demand. So what I've learned, again, with my kids, and this works really well, because you have phones now, where we used to have one alarm clock and you get one time. Mm-hmm. You can now have a phone. You can probably set 543 alarms for different days of the week, different times, and you can label them. Yep. So if, the, if you just say to them, which I've done to my daughters, put an alarm on. They will type in an alarm and they'll say what they need to do and that alarm will go off. And, that's, and in that way, it's not a human demand. Yeah. Hopefully they haven't backtracked that logic to it as a human asking them. Hopefully that, in that moment, it's their phone telling them it's time. And that's less of a demand. So it's easier, I'm air quoting easier, mm-hmm. um, that they will hopefully achieve that task or at least start it. Great way to depersonalize a demand. So my daughter does struggle with things and it's like getting your, your diary signed at secondary school. Mm-hmm. You had to get signed every week or you get detention. And my, right, walk, yeah. my daughter would forget and then walk in our room at quarter to five in the morning, whatever time it was, when she suddenly woke up and had a panic and go, sign it now. We're both going, I can't see, it's too early. So I just said, right, put, a, put an alarm on your phone at half six on Sunday evening that we can all cope with. We're at <laughs> home at that time. And yeah, sure enough, half six, seven, not immediately, but it went off and she, and she would come down and it was a much more successful less stressful for everyone way of dealing with it. And you collaborated on that. Well, I told her to do it, but yes, we probably did collaborate. (laughs) Excellent. So I think we have covered what is PDA in a lot of different ways because it does, it does sound just demand avoidance. That's the thing. It's hopefully we've hammered home in this episode. It's unlogical, illogical, pathological, I don't know the difference between any of those three words are, but they're all fitting. It doesn't make any sense, demand avoidance. Yes. Whereas as soon as you can rationalize it, or they can rationalize it, not necessarily you, but as soon as the person can rationalize it, it's not pathological. Yes. Yes. Excellent. So hopefully, if you are there sitting with a child, and if they're giving you a reason, it's not PDA. Unless it's a really, really, really random reason that it might be. But as you said, if they want to do this, but they can't, or they've done this before, and they won't, that anything like that, and you can't really. It, it might be. But if there's a reason and they this is valid to them, then it's probably not PDA. But if it's something maybe they want to do, they do it before, they're great. But for some reason right now, they cannot and they cannot give a reason. Maybe. 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 And just because they're not trash in the classroom doesn't mean it's not PDA. Yes. 
That is very important. I've been paying attention. I've made no notes. It's all in my head. But it is, there's that, that, there's that explosive. Kind and of, that's the one we notice. That's the one everyone notices. That's the one everyone gets the action for. That's the one everyone does this. But there's the other children who aren't reacting in an explosive way. They're internalizing things. We still need to think about how do we support them. Yes. And they are getting overlooked. Yes. And it, they get overlooked because there's nothing to deal with at the moment. Yes, there's nothing that, that's bothering anyone else. Yes. But in, that's the thing is, there's a whole thing of social norms here because that's what we want. We want children to um, access the world in a socially normal way. Oh, do we? Okay. We do because they, they have to fit in. We want the world. Everyone has to fit in this mold. We have to fit them in. Oh, I see. You're, Not personally. You're, yeah. Well, society as a whole. Society says that. And you have the explosive end mm-hmm. and you have the kind of leave me alone end. Yeah. And neither are healthy. Generally, neither. Either extremes aren't healthy. We mm-hmm. want them more in the, in the middle. Yeah. Because actually, if they're missing out things and that gets left, they're going to miss out more. So just think about that is... For them to fit in the world and then to be more part of the world, generally, if you are fitting the world, generally, and I'm going to say the word generally, we are more happier if we're fitting in the world and socializing and do all these things. If you can support the two spectrums to kind of be more fitting in the norm, it's probably the completely wrong way of saying, but hopefully you understand what I mean, then they will overall be happier. Because if they're exploding and keep exploding, it's going to get really bad. And if they're shutting down and shutting down more and shutting down more and leaving the room, that's not great either. We want them kind of within a certain level of the norm. What we want, I think, is for people to get the most out of the world that they can. Yes. And most out, most out of life in the world that they can. Yes. And that's going to look different for different people. Yes. And it could look very different for a PDA person than it could look for me. Yes. And that's all good. But generally, for most people, we have to interact with the world around us. But interacting is a necessity and also getting the most out of the world. You want to be able to uh, seize everything that it's got to offer. So if we can support PDA people, particularly when they're younger, to build those self-help strategies, then and also build a, if we can work to build a more PDA-friendly world as well, we can do both those things, then PDA people will get the most out of the world. Yeah, so what she said is kind of what I meant. She <laughs> translated it into actual good words, but good words, such as my English. You can see I just about scraped with, passed with two C's at GCSEs <laughs> many years ago. But no, that's the thing. It's that interaction we have to have. And I say this to my girls, there's these rules, there's these rules of the world. You kind of have to follow them, whether you like it or not. But we've got to find a way of you f- following it in a way that works for you. Yeah, you can't just a way ignore that them. works for you. You can't just be at either end of the spectrum ignoring them. You've got to be kind of accepting that these rules are here, but a way that works for you. And it might be I can do that for three hours a day, or I can do it all day, and I can do it. But how does it work for you? Yeah. But yes, that's what I meant. It's not making everyone normal, which yeah, is yeah. kind of what society wants us. They want these molds. But what I feel is we have to be within a certain distance because that interaction with the world. You can't just say everyone has to do this, and that's how everyone has to be. No, you've got to, yeah, it's got to work. And that's the thing is society as a whole, whole 
in England or in the UK is a certain way. In America, it's a certain way. In other countries, it's a very different way. And that gets interesting. That gets really interesting. When you look at different societies, the way we live things, how I would say PDA or autism friendly different countries are. Yes. That's a whole other podcast. That's a whole more interesting podcast. But anyway, I'm going to wrap it up. I think we've covered all the bits we wanted to cover. So we all now know exactly what PDA is and isn't. And it is different to ODD. ODD is a whole thing. of uh, Yeah, in theory, if you're heading ODD, but you have autism, you're probably moving more PDA. But you, yeah. That's a whole other flowchart mess that I'm not going to get into. But Claire's given me some links already to the PDA Society. I'm going to get the employer's bit off you as well. Yeah. She's also given me to some AET standards and some other bits. So you'll find loads of links from Claire, including how to get hold of her for more information because she does lots of talks and things like that. Um, so you'll find all of those in our show notes, which is wherever you listen to the podcast or on our website. So thank you, for Claire, for coming on the show today. Really enjoyed it. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. I always love asking my random questions and throwing random things in like Twister and Fires. It's just lots of fun. Thank you for listening to the show. If you haven't subscribed already, click on that subscribe button. You can follow us on social media, on Twitter or X, the set, we're at the Sendcast, on Facebook, the Sendcast, and on Instagram, the Sendcast. And as always, if you're struggling to show progress, if your assessment process is overcomplicated, takes too long, or you just want to see what is available, have a look at the Beastword website or book a free online meeting with me so I can take you through our products. We have a wide range of assessment products to help schools Show progress for all pupils, especially those with SEND. And if you are a primary school in England who wants to use one assessment system for all pupils, instead of one for your SEND and one for your ARE pupils, then get in contact. You can find out about our online training and conferences, read our blog, watch our webinars. It is all on the B-Squared website. And you'll find a link to the website and to book a meeting with me, as I said, in the show notes. So thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of The Sendcast. It's goodbye from me. And goodbye from me. Bye, everyone. Bye.